Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to be with you. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports Domestics Microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere with some great specials between now through Tuesday. Natural Ice and Light 30 Packs, 14.15. Reds Ale, 16 ounce, 24 pack, 19.95. And Heineken 24 pack cans, 24.95. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and on every day, and the pickle bar is indeed second to none. And I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Very pleased to have with us for the first time in the show. Kyle Porter, golf writer for CBS Sports. And uh, first of all, Kyle, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Well, we're still attempting to get Kyle on the line. Oh, well, then hit it on the side. Oh, okay. <sighs> we'll try that. Sometimes I don't know my own strength, so I don't want to overdo it. It's always worked for me, and Harry's been disgusted by that. No. <laughs> you, you did what? I hit it, I hit it on the side, Harry. <laughs> Who told you to do that? Uh, Ke- Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, he told us. Yeah. All right. So we'll get to uh, Kyle in just a few moments. Yeah, we're getting a double. Champion. Yeah, we're getting a double busy signal trying to call him. So we'll see if we can text him and get a different line to. Sh- Ah, there we go. Very nice. Well, I got just, worried uh, that I thought all of our phone lines were down here in the building. We had some heavy rains come through a couple hours ago, but the, we're good. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we've got that. And uh, Kyle does a really great breakdown of uh, Royal Birkdale, which is where they'll be playing the Open Championship. It's not the British Open. It's the Open. And Burkdale gets it for a tenth time. Uh, and not only that, this is an English seaside course. Right now they use ten courses in the open rota. And you know what? It's it's interesting. Uh, I agree with... Uh, Jerry on, what, a couple weeks ago? And I agree with him that the U.S. Open should go to a rota. He said pick five courses. I'd be open to picking eight. I mean, uh, and maybe make a ninth a wild card. Uh, but I'd be open to that for the U.S. Open. I mean, there's certain courses that should be in it. Oakmont should be in it. Uh, Olympic Club should be in it. Maybe Pebble Beach. You know, Pebble's a great course. Uh, Some people would lobby for Pinehurst. I think the Country Club should be in it. Uh, There's a couple courses in the Midwest that you could certainly look to that might be in it. 
you know, interesting enough, but of course it keeps getting rated number one. Never has has a major championship. Pine Valley. Now, now they may not want it. They may not want a major championship. That I mean, I'd have to talk to some Rick Pizzo from Big Ten Network. Rick was telling me that his father-in-law evidently uh, is a member of Pine Valley because Rick's come through here and worked uh, and been here for Coaches versus Cancer. And and he's combined it by going over there to play over in Camden County. Now, it's not like they've never hosted, for example, like the Walker Cup. They've done that before. But But it's interesting. They've never hosted one. Uh, and they may not want it. Uh, they have 930 members it's throughout the world. They say the list is a closely guarded secret. But over the years, they say that George H.W. Bush, Sean Connery, Ben Crenshaw, Tom Fazio... Uh, Bob Hope, Robert Trent Jones Jr., Connie Mack, Bob McNair, Jack Nicholas, the late Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, Dan Quayle, Brian Roberts, Jay Siegel, George Thomas have all been members. Uh, but they have not hosted because they say there's not enough room on the course to accommodate tens of thousands of spectators. And the club has also stated they have no intention to remove trees or change the layout of the course in order to host a major championship. So the only time that they've ever had at Pine Valley uh, mainstream exposure where you, the public, can actually see the course, because this course is rated number one in the world all the time. And if it falls to number two, it's usually Augusta National that beats it out. Uh, 1962 Shell's Wonderful World of Golf between Gene Littler and Byron Nelson. The club does allow the public in for one day in late September every year to watch the Crump Cup, which is a a field of elite mid-amateur players. And they've allowed, they've had two Walker Cups there, but the last was in 85. But Golf Digest raises the top 100 courses, and they do you know, which is always a fun list. I mean, you know, it's, again, it's you know, it's subjective. We talk about listing. I talk about listing all the time, but they list the place over and over and over again as being number one, and at no worst, number two. Let's see here. What uh, that's the U.S. list. We already know what that is. Where's the world list here? Uh, I have the world list here right in front of me, and of course, naturally, I I hit the wrong button. But that's what happens when you're thrown off by the fact that you've taken a jackhammer ball and reduced it by forty percent. So, <laughs> uh, let's see. Golf Digest number one golf course in the world. Guess what it is. Pine Valley. Cypress Point is two. Augusta National three. Royal County down uh, is 
four in Northern Ireland. Shinnecock Hills is five. That's where the U.S. Open is next year. Royal Dornock uh, in Scotland is six. Old Course St. Andrews, seven. Muirfield, eight in Scotland. Royal Melbourne in Australia, nine. Oakmont is ten. Uh, Barnbogle Dunes in Australia, eleven. Sand Hills in Nebraska. Uh, Crenshaw Bill Corley out, 12. National Golf Links of America, Southampton is 13. Marion down in Ardmore is 14. Pebble Beach, 15. Royal Port Rush, which is where the Open Championship is next year, is 16. Uh, Fishers Island Club in New York is 17. Arono Golf Club in Japan is 18. Turnberry, which I believe is now owned by the Trump family is 19 Kingston Heath Golf Club in Australia is 20 Pacific Dunes in Bandon, Oregon I guess Bandon, Oregon has quite a layout Pacific Dunes is 21 Cape Kidnappers in New Zealand is 22 let's see some other notables here Wingfoot which is where the US Open is going to be in three years is 24 Uh, let's see Bally Bunyan when we were in Ireland, we talked about going over and playing Bally Bunyan, but it's on the west coast of Ireland. It's like a two-hour trip for us. and turned out the schedule got really, really gummed up. That's 27. Any other? Let's see. Carnoustie's 31. Let's see. Beth Page Black, 35. This is in the world. Burkdale, where they're playing the Open this time, is 38th in the country. So, yeah, those are some of the uh, top ones in the world. Pinehurst, number two, is 46. Riviera is 47. Whistling Straits is 48. Ever tell you the Whistling Straits story? Uh, And Muirfield Village is 53. Well, Muirfield Village and, and Whistling Straits, same story. I get a phone call from from Jack, from Jack Ham. He goes, guess where I am? <laughs> like, what? Guess where you are? I said, I don't know. Goes, I'm at Whistling Straits. I go, okay, how did I get that wrong? <laughs> oh, yeah, now I'll get that. I'm at Firestone Country Club. I'm at Muirfield Village. I'm at Pebble Beach. I'm like, oh, well, that's okay, because now, now, believe it or not, he actually talked to me this week about maybe me making one of those trips. I'm like, oh, no, really? Oh, okay. More than happy to. Uh, all right. Kyle Porter is the writer for CBS Sports that writes about golf. It is great to have him with us. He just wrote a great article about Burkdale on uh, CBSSports.com. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the show for the first time. Appreciate time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, let's talk about the fact that there, it's a rota, obviously, and there's 10 courses within the rota. Should the USGA consider that for the U.S. Open? Well, that's a really good question. Um, yes, and I think that it should leave uh, some spots open. You know, we've seen this. Uh, with with the the Open Championship, as it's uh, called, 
uh, they're going back to, to Royal Portrush, you know, in, in Ireland in a couple of years, and and they've they've made, um, you know, they've left some spots open to go to places that they don't usually go, and, and I would be thrilled, I think, if the USGA did that to where you've got your, you, you know, you've got your traditional Shinnecocks and Oakmonts, but leave a leave a spot or two open, you know, for a new course like an Aaron Hills to, to kind of go back to that, and you know, it's kind of effectively what they have, right? Like they go to Pebble, they go to they go to Oakmont. I mean, they they. Just they don't formally call it a rota, but they sort of have one, uh, and and I think it would be I think it would be great if they made it more formalized. Yeah, I thought my my thought was eight plus a wild card, and make that wild card card nine, and then you can rotate the wild card. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the the hard part comes in where you go two new places in three years, like we just saw. You go Chambers, and then you go Oakmont, and then you go Aaron Hills. That. That gets a little like, and I know that you know it's it's hard to schedule that stuff out. But make the wild card, yeah, once every seven years or and or nine years or whatever it is, to where you're you're getting your traditional, but you're also getting kind of a, a you know a, a different flavor every once in a while. Now they go to Burkdale, and Burkdale is a little bit different layout than the other courses within the Rota because you're talking uh, flat fairways. They usually get a, a quality name winner, but it's not considered to be the single most difficult course in the Rota, is it? No, it's not, but if you look, I think that uh, like eight of the nine golfers that have won there are, are Hall of Famers or close to it. You know, you've you've seen... Uh, Arnold Palmer went there, Pierre Thompson, um, uh, uh, Tom Watson, I believe, won there. Uh, and then obviously last time, uh, Padraig Harrington. So, yeah, you, you know, it's it's different. I, I heard Johnny Miller talk about this the other day, and it's true. You, you go to a lot of these courses and, in, in Scotland or England, you can kind of hit it wherever you want and get up and make birdie or par. You can't do that at Birddale. You know, you've, you've got to be in the fairways. But if you're in the fairways, like you said, it's like a parking lot. I mean, it, it's incredible how flat it is uh, if you're hitting fairways. So it, it sounds intuitive, but it's sort of not these days that you have to hit fairways because you go to a place like even Augusta National, you don't have to hit fairways there. I mean, you can't be missing every single one of them, but you just have to be really long and and hit good approach shots. So I, I, I just think that somebody, who, whoever wins this tournament next week, is going to, like like we saw with Brooks Kepka at the U.S. Open, uh, just be driving the ball really straight and really well. Yeah, exactly. And the really low part is the wind. It's actually been very warm in England the last two weeks. Anybody who's watched Wimbledon knows that. Uh, how tame is this course when there is no wind? How difficult can it be when there is? Well, you know, it, it's a traditional British Open course to where, you know, you can go out. I, I won't say it's like St. Andrews, because St. Andrews, you can go out and shoot a 63 if it's not windy. This is not quite that. Um, but you can you can shoot, you know, 65, 66 if, if there's no wind. But, you know, we saw, I think it was third round in 98. I don't think there was a score that broke par. Tiger shot like a 77. Uh, and the eventual winner, Marco Mira, shot like a 75. So, uh, if it blows, it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly, and uh, you're gonna see kind of those low ball flight guys like Sergio Garcia and Ricky Fowler. I think have a real advantage if it's super windy. What is the state of the game right now post Tiger? I mean, and I say that only because at the moment he's not playing and hasn't played for a while. So, what is the state of the game in your opinion? 
Yeah, you know, that <laughs> that's something that gets talked about a lot. And it's, um, it, there, it, I don't know that it's not an identity crisis, but your, your problem is that to, to replace, you can't re- replace Tiger, right? You can't even replace him with like the top six guys in the world. You can get like, 60% of Tiger if you combine Rory and DJ and Ricky and um, you know Hideki and, and, and all these different guys and so you know for me it's it's two parts the first part is that there's just so much parity and the second part is that it's sort of a, a golden era of uh, competition you know I, and, and this is this is because of Tiger. Tiger elevated the money in this sport by by so much. I mean, look at they played the U.S. Open for twelve million dollars this year. That's absurd. That's so much money, right. and right. so much more even when you adjust uh, for inflation than they were playing for in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. And so you're seeing guys that grew up who are twenty and twenty two years old, whose parents and and who as kids saw how much money was in the game and said. Wow, that's a that's a competitive industry that I want to be in where I can make a lot of money. That wasn't always the case, you know, for golf. And and so because of that, you're seeing so much parity and so much competition that if you win four majors in this era, if you win five majors in this era, you're an all-time great. You're historically great. And so it's fun, but it's not as, I think, um, riveting nationally because you don't have that single guy like a Tiger kind of being the one that everybody chases. Uh, I've covered four U.S. Opens in in my career, uh, and every time I'm there, even though they won't say it, I've always had the sense that they'd love to be somewhere in the neighborhood of even par when it's all said and done from the winner. You know, plus or minus a couple here and there. At the Open Championship, do they care about that at all? They do, but it's not – they don't care as much. And, and so what happens there and, – and this is actually what we saw happen at Aaron Hills – is so, so many of their courses are – the protection there is the wind, right? And so you saw this at St. Andrews a couple of years ago. They It didn't blow, and so they had to cut the greens uh, really short, and they cut them too short, and then it did blow, and it was out of control. You know, you had balls rolling off of greens, and it was – it was. It just got silly because it was so windy. So the problem there is, if you don't get wind, and if it doesn't rain, and if it's not nasty, then it's it's gettable. And so they are more dependent on weather for, to protect their courses than the USGA is. And we saw that at Aaron Hills this year, right? Like that that course, it needed to be windy for for some protection, and they couldn't they couldn't cut it. They couldn't make it faster because they couldn't let it get out of control if it did blow. Well, it never did, and so you saw 16 under win the golf tournament. Right. Uh, I want to ask you about about anchoring. Uh, to his credit, I think Adam Scott has made the adjustment back. Uh, but during uh, the U.S. Senior Open, it was brought up about two players, Bernard Longer, I want to say Mark McCumber. Uh, how do you view that and what they're doing with the USGA in that area? Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because it's so it's it's so ambiguous, right? Like you can be like a millimeter away from your chest and not be anchoring, but then if you're touching, you are, and so it's just I I, I don't know I don't know how you fix that other than just completely you know doing away with long putters. I mean, is that something that's going to happen? It doesn't seem like it. So. 
the ambiguity, and, and you've seen this across all rules in golf, right? Like you saw it with John Rahm at the Irish Open last week where he moves his ball marker, and he might have put it in the right spot, but he didn't – or he might have put it in the wrong spot, but he didn't mean to, so it's not a penalty because he didn't intend to do it. And it's just – yeah, that stuff is frustrating as, as someone who, who likes this sport because it's seen as so – kind of silly by by people who are who, who this sport is trying to bring in and so to me there just needs to be a complete resimplification of all rules across the board there shouldn't be 33 rules or however many there are with thousands of, of different you know sub rules and all this different stuff it needs to be a lot simpler and, and including the the anchor thing go go with it whichever way you want but go all the way with it Right, exactly. I'm going to ask you about John Rahm. He's coming off the one at the Duty Free Irish Open. He has performed well in the States. When you look at John Rahm's game, what do you see, Kyle? Well, I see a guy who thinks he has all the shots and actually does have like 94% of them. I mean, <laughs> he, he hit a shot at, at Colonial this year. He was behind a tree on the right side of the fairway, and he hit this kind of low cut. Uh, over a sand trap that just just cut right over it and ended up making birdie and it, it, it was not a shot that somebody like him should hit. He's got a really high ball flight, kind of a Jason Day ball flight, um, and so he his ability even even just contending, much less winning the Irish Open the way that he did on a Lynx course, is so impressive to me. Uh, because it's not his game is set up to win congressional. It's set up to win uh, Quail Hollow. is is a, is a great spot for him to where it's just point and shoot, hit it as far as you can, hit hit it a thousand feet in the air and 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 drop it right down by the pin. So for him to go over to Ireland, you can win Augusta. No, oh, yeah, oh totally. Um, but for him to go over to Northern Ireland and, and do what he did there, I. I that's impressive, you know, as a, as a 22 year old. But as anybody with his type of game, I, I just I couldn't be more impressed with what he did. All right, so when we look at the Open Championship next week, uh, you know, yeah, let's face it, you can handicap it because in England you can. So how would you handicap it? <laughs> you know, the two guys I mentioned earlier, I love Sergio and and Ricky Fowler. Fowler's been playing great. You know, he's, three of his last four finishes have been top fives. He's up there near the lead at the Scottish Open this week. He's played well at Open Championships in the past. He's won the Scottish Open before. Uh, he loves playing playing Lynx golf. I think it actually benefits him if it's if it's really bad weather. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood's a guy that that has been playing great golf. I think Americans were sort of introduced to him at the U.S. Open, and then he goes over, uh, plays well in Germany, wins the French Open, and then plays well in Ireland as well. So he he's got to be considered one of the favorites. You know, if you look at the very top: uh, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, uh, Dustin Johnson. None of them are playing that well. You know, Rory's missed two cuts in a row. DJ's missed two cuts in a row. Day's not been playing very well. Um, but then the other guy up there, Jordan Spieth, I think he's going to have a great tournament. You know, he, he's he's. Uh, I think he wins multiple Open Championships over the course of his career. I don't know if he wins this year, but he is uh, so mentally tough and so good at that kind of, um, you know, working the ball and, and keeping it low to the ground. He's just he, his short game is so solid and, and so spectacular. I think he's going to have a good good week. And how he won in Cromwell's a momentum one. There's no doubt. But, Oh, just incredible. I mean, and, and 
you know, he's a guy who can kind of string together, a, 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 you know, two or three in a row maybe. Uh, that momentum will have largely faded because he won't have played for a month when he gets over there to Burkdale. But, uh, man, he, he is a good, good player. And he is so – he's so mentally tough – when when you know when it's going when it's going bad for him, it goes bad for all these guys every once in a while. He he just he's got that tiger quality where he turns these seventy fives into like seventy twos and just stays in the tournament. You know he's just he's tough to put away, and that's what you're looking for in an open. Kyle, it's an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Uh, really informative. You write uh, great stuff on CBS Sports, and we appreciate your time very much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Kyle Porter, golf writer for CBS Sports, as we preview the Open Championship next week at Royal Birkdale. All right, uh, we've hit the bottom of the hour. I know we've got news coming up in a few moments here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. True refreshment can come in many forms. But it can only be found in one place, the Beverage Supermarket, Brewer's Outlet in Sunbury. Along with their great selection of beer, including imports and microbrews, they have lots of water, soda, fresh roasted peanuts, and an unbelievable variety of pickles at the Pickle Bar. Look for great deals on wine coolers and your favorite snacks, too. Get true refreshment all in one place. The Beverage Supermarket. Brewer's Outlet in Sunbury. City blocks of new Ford trucks. Over 40,000 trucks sold. SMC is where you want to be. Sunbury Motors Ford has over 110 new Ford trucks. And during July, they'll include a complimentary accessory package. With the purchase of any new F-150 through July 31st, receive a tonneau cover, molded splash guards, and window deflectors at no additional charge. SMC is where you want to be because they have the largest selection of new Ford trucks in all of central Pennsylvania. And that means the biggest savings. Take up to $13,500 off on new F-150s. And SMC has them starting as low as $23,919. Save up to seven grand on 2017 Ford Escapes. And they're slashed as low as $19,380. Explorers, Edges, and Expeditions have discounts up to eleven grand. SMC is where you want to be in July for this mega summer spectacular sale and the complimentary F-150 accessory package. Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. F-150 accessory package valued at six ninety nine. Excludes prior sales and ordered units. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Surfing. All right, we're having technical problems. Guess what the technical problem happens to be, Sean? You talking about someone specifically? Who else? I mean, the Olympic Channel has not even started yet. Yes, the Olympic Channel starts, I believe, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. And I believe that's an NBN, NBC jointure with the IOC, right? And the and the whining, moaning, and complaining about what's on it has begun by one individual. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> I'm cl- complaining. He claims he's ecstatic. <laughs> Oh, the higher the pitch of the voice, the less I hear a static. <laughs> yeah, just run 92 Dream Team games on a continuous loop to get us to Pyeongchang, and we'll be in good shape. That's all we need to see. If I want to watch something competitive, I'll look at the tape of the practices. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my good friend Tom McGrath was at the practices. 
and he came up with the idea of signing of those guys signing basketballs from it. He's also the one that came up with the idea of uh, some guys are Nike, some guys are Reebok, so let's get American flags to drape around the guys that are Nike guys. He's the one that came up with that. Very clever. He's a smart man. Very smart man. All right. Uh, today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, Imports Domestics, Microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, and not only that, some great specials between now, in fact, through Tuesday at Brewers Outlet. And that includes natural ice and light, 30 packs, 14.15. Reds Ale, 16 ounce, 24 pack, 19.95. And Heineken, 24 pack cans, just 24.95. All at Brewers Outlet. They have wine coolers, water, snacks, soft drinks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The pickle bar, second to none, led by the barrels and the dills. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and somebody the beverage supermarket. Hey, go out and stock up for the weekend. Do it now. And I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And now, the master of disaster, who has spent the past two weeks cleaning out our old homestead. It's empty, dude. There you go. There's nothing in it. Me and my wife succeeded. It took us three weeks, and we moved 60 years of crap with a pickup truck. There you go. Just me and her, and we got it all out. They took the furniture out today, and I carried our toy box out. That was kind of traumatic. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's still it there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, which one of you locked the other in the toy box first? I don't think either one of us could ever fit in it. No, <laughs> we were exactly little boys. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't I little kids. I certainly couldn't. No. If I got stuffed in it, I never would have been able to get out. So. So. No, we didn't have... You know what? We didn't, we've didn't. we never had that kind of relationship. What? We always got, we always got along great. Oh, we never fought. No. Yeah, ever. Never. I'm just saying, we never climbed in the thing because we couldn't no. fit. Yeah, we but. couldn't fit into it. But no, I mean, Sean's asking if we if it was one stuff, the other another. We never, we've never been like that ever. No, we didn't fight. No, we had no. fun. I mean, our no. life was one big game. I, I uh, we remember absolutely. the game of life. That was cool. Monopoly. Oh, oh yeah. and uh, you know, we and you know, games in the backyard. We were either playing wiffle ball or we had that red bat and ball. The red bat and ball. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of that today. Well, that's why I put that vinyl fence back up because I didn't want to lose our home. But that was a green monster. Yeah, that was our. That was the. That was the home run fence, and then we played yeah. football back there. We played football in the side yard. I mean, we did all sorts of things. Uh, we were always you know, played in the street under the street light where there's a street lamp just to the left of our, of our driveway. We play there, touch football out there. Mister Pender would come out and steal our ball. Oh, um, the guy across the street. Yeah. Right. <laughs> His pants would be falling down. <laughs> right. We're throwing the His ball one day. Toxic. <laughs> His oh. drunk wife. And <laughs> it was great. Oh. Yeah. Throwing the ball one day, and the ball went over. I don't remember whose head it went over. 
and it went to their driveway, and he came running out with his pants uh, falling down to grab the ball. You're like, what? Okay, who is this insane individual? Uh, did you know that after 20-some-odd years, this is a true story, mom gets a knock on the door. It's like 25 years, and it was him. And he oh. was going through AA, and he was going through the 20-step program. Uh. <laughs> He's going through the 20-step program, or I'm sorry, 12-step program. Yep. And that was part of his, he felt that he was awful to her, and he wanted to apologize. Can you believe okay. that? Yeah. Good for him. And he did, and she accepted his apology. But I have a uh. real gripe with her right now. I'm just... Do you realize I have your time card from 1976, I think? Yeah. She kept every time card. The entire basement was filled with all that stuff. There were over 9,000 time cards. I'm like, wow. what did she, and you know what was sad? She kept every record of everything. I mean, she had her checks that she wrote when she was in high school, the canceled checks. She was so afraid that somebody would hurt her or do something to her, you know? Yeah. Yet right. she didn't take care of herself. What yeah. killed her was her own physical being. Yeah. But she was, and it was really, it's really hard. It's hard to do what we did to go through everything, you know. Remember right. the Lincoln Log game? Oh, sure. Baseball. We, we made up the baseball game. We could go on Shark Tank with that. We yep. could go on Shark Tank with that and make millions, you know. We made up that 30 game. Thirty percent of nothing. So. But we made up the game. We took Lincoln Logs, yeah. okay, and we drew a baseball field on on the cellar floor in chalk. And <laughs> this is great, we, <laughs> And we put uh we and dad of course bought steel. Well, what covered the steel when it was brought to the shop? And that was cardboard. And these are big sheets of steel. So Kevin and I would take the cardboard and we'd cut it up in such a way where we would make wall. Right, and then we had a piece of wood, and the piece of wood was—I don't know—was three feet by maybe a foot and a half, and we made that the scoreboard, and we put that in left field. Yep. And you take take the Lincoln log, right? Just any Lincoln log, and then you take a roof piece, one of the green roof pieces, and you take one of the small corner Lincoln logs, and that's the ball, and you would put it on the back of the Lincoln log, and like a fulcrum. Like yeah, like a teeter-totter. You'd launch it like a fulcrum, and it would fly in the air. If it went over the wall, obviously it's a home run. If it hit the wall, it was automatically a double. If it hit the scoreboard, it was a triple. And if it landed in the field of play, we had a measuring stick, and we'd put baseball cards down that were on the field, and that's. And if it was yeah. within the measuring stick, it was an out. You could strategically place your baseball cards around the diamond, and if the measuring stick would say if the guy could catch the ball. So you have Fred Lynn in the center field, you'd have Willie Stargell over at first base. You know, you picture teams. It was great. I mean, that was, man, we made oh. up cool games, really cool oh. games. And, and what yeah. we did was we made all star teams. So it wasn't like the Red yeah. Sox and the Yankees. We picked guys from different teams. And that you know, and that was that was our team. 
And so we'd play this game uh, and draw it out uh, on the cellar floor in chalk, the field itself, and then we put the walls around it and the whole thing. And Sean, Sean, Mm -hmm. what do you think Steve would do during the games? He would call the games. <laughs> he would call the games. You betcha. He would absolutely announce the games or call the games. <laughs> he was destined to do this his whole life. It's like it's, it's like true. you. It's like it's like you guys. It's like you guys came up with fantasy baseball before fantasy baseball was invented. Yeah, we had a blast, and I mean, the whole neighborhood played. It wasn't just us. Oh yeah, no, it yeah. wasn't just us. I mean, the 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 Krikorians played, the Roy's played. I mean, yep. you know, the Oliveras played. We had a good time. It was, it was the Ruels. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Ruel was really into it. He was oh, really fascinating into it. radio, but this all true. We had a blast. We entertained ourselves. We didn't need anything to entertain us. And it was fun. And yeah, well, I mean, I mean, literally. we never went anywhere without our ball glove. We always had our glove with us. And Steve was yeah. the only lefty. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I was always the only lefty. Every class, yeah. I was the only left-handed person playing ball. I was the only left-handed person. And yeah, uh, yeah we'd go out and we'd play uh, ball out at various areas. Um, Different schools. Yeah, anywhere we could find a ball field would go. There was a. uh, Kevin didn't play as much basketball, but just down the street. Fouling everybody. Yeah, there was a dirt basketball court down the street, like, what, two houses down, three houses down? Three houses, but that's gone now, too. Yeah, well, I know that's gone now, but we'd go down there at 6 o'clock every night, 6 o'clock in the evening every night. Mr. Thomas. Yeah. Mr. Ruel. (laughs) Yep. Play and play basketball there. Did, did, I mean, yep. this is what we did. Wait, we weren't in an era of video games, so we made up our own games. And they and, were good games. They were fun. Yeah, so, I mean, we had a good time. I still play football on the table in a restaurant. You know, oh, the triangle yeah, yeah. football. Oh yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, me oh, yeah. and Claire played a couple weeks ago. Oh. At, some restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I you, gotta you play t- all the time. I gotta play be playing a game all the time. Oh you you played in a restaurant. Oh yeah, this yeah. is what you do. No no. You take you take a piece <laughs> of paper, Sean. Right. Alright, and you fold it up into a triangle. Mm-hmm. I did that, that when I was a kid too. That's the ball. No, I was just concerned with oh, the restaurant. Right. You, you had to wait like an oh. hour and a half for dinner, and you're yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't take long. To, you push it; it goes to the edge of the touchdown. Yep. Right. Then you set up the goalpost. Boom! Kick it right through. Yep. There was one time yep. where a buddy of mine and I—I I might have been in third or fourth grade—and I did that in the library, and I yelled. <laughs> I completely forgot. I completely forgot where I was. We were up in the children's library upstairs. I was like eight or nine years old, and <laughs> I was so dialed in and and locked into the moment, getting the touchdown, or, or maybe I popped a field goal and I, you know, hit the guy across the table in the chin or something. But I was so fired up. It's like I, I, it's like, oh man, I'm going to get banned from the library for life. <laughs> they probably still remember you. Yeah. The key thing there, though, is how old were you? Uh, I was just under, it was probably eight, nine years old. I'm 58. <laughs> <laughs> so your talks to that for, that was. so played and yelling. <laughs> and he did the same thing in the restaurant the other day. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was about mid-70s for me before, you know, all the video games you, you know, you'd hook up to your TV box at home. Yeah, we never had any of those. We never had that. No. Never did. 
No. And not yeah. once felt remotely deprived. Oh, God, no. Remember the game of life? That, oh, we yeah. played that all the time. Clue? Yeah. Clue, life. No. We, we played board games. Scrabble uh, was over my head at the time. But. Well, our our grandmother, our grandmother oh. on our on our uh, mother on my mom's side, Nana, who lived to be 102, yep. she lived to be 102. I get found out. the card. Get this, not to interrupt. I found the card that Joe Paterno and his family signed for oh, yeah. her 100th birthday. Well, if I remember the correctly, all the all the football coaches signed the card. Yep. And, and then Sue and, and Sue Paterno came in, saw it, and she says, "Oh, I want to sign the card." So she signed it, Joe and Sue Paterno. And Joe came out of the office and he said, "What's this for?" He said, "Well, it's for Steve's grandmother." He goes, "Well, I'm going to sign it." Well, Sue signed. He goes, "What?" <laughs> he, he takes the card from Cynthia, and he said, and he put down, and he wrote the real Joe Paterno. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's That's cool. Yeah. I gotta find it. We we kept it, but we got so much crap. I, I I'm gonna have to find it, but we kept it. So yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's the story behind that. Uh, yeah. as, to, as to why he signed it, because Sue came in and said, "Oh, this is great," and she signed it for both Joe and her. And when Joe came out, and he said to Cynthia, Cynthia Alt, he says, Cynthia, what's this? Well, Steve's grandmother's turning 100. He said, uh, so everybody signed it, and you know, Sue already signed. He goes, what? <laughs> he says, give me that card. <laughs> and, that, and he took the card, and he signed it, the real Joe Paterno. <laughs> give me that card. Uh, <laughs> John, my grandmother lived to 102. Obviously, the last maybe three years, she couldn't really feed herself. She ate a bag of peanut M&Ms every oh. day of her life, wow. and, and she and, lived to 102. Yeah. And and that you know, and when you and when you played Scrabble against her, the first thing win. she would do is she. Oh, we never won. Are you kidding me? Uh, Not even close. I mean, I mean uh, Vegas had me like a hundred to one underdog, and uh, <laughs> she'd put out the board and she'd get the bowl of peanut M and M's and put it right there, and we'd take a few here and there as we played. You know, she'd she'd spell out xylophone on a triple word score, and I'd be I'd be spelling out it. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do with that X? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and she Zero. knew it. <laughs> and she knew it. And the X, I think, was worth eight points. And so yeah. that, and for her, it always ended up on a a triple letter score. The word would then end up on a triple word score. Right? And now the score is 286 to 7. Yeah. <laughs> She just smile at you, like yeah, you know, yeah. you suck. Yeah, right. yeah, she'd smile at you, and you'd say to yourself, "That's my lovable grandmother, the shark." Yeah. <laughs> she was good at it. So. She was great at it. We had so. We, yeah. So this was a trip down memory lane today. Yeah, it'll be the last one because we're all done. Gonna paint the door tonight and got some books to take out of there and. We're going to shampoo the carpets tomorrow, and we're out. Well, but the woman makes me... I'm, I spelt her freaking name wrong. I'm still pissed off. i got a beautiful lease all put together, everything, and she won't sign it because I left the N off Jennifer. 
Oh. Instead of two ends, I put one end. I'm oh. like, you got to be freaking kidding me, you know? We're oh. we're doing this because our house is in foreclosure, and we're giving them a place to live. Right. You're, that's why we had to do it in three weeks. Their closing is Friday. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I took the air conditioners off of the list of things that we have to replace. So right. her end cost her about $1,000. So. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, so. speaking of Jennifer, my Jen, if you still have some of it, wants some of the genealogy stuff. Huh? I said... If it's still available, all that stuff Dad did with the genealogy. Yeah, yeah it's if all gone. It, it, well, if you had any, she'd wanted it, but that's all right. Well, we have pictures and stuff she can have. There's a few things that we kept. There's Good. no way we could keep it all. No, oh, no, there's. It was too. It was a mess. Hundreds of pages. Oh, hundreds, thousands. He had copies of. 20 copies of everything he did. Some of it was fascinating. We kept some of the pictures and stuff. I'll give it to her. Okay, so, great. Yeah. All right. So. so there we go. Now you found out that we didn't play video games as kids. We made up <laughs> games as we went. And we should and we be on short play today if we could. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and, we would, and we probably ought to take some of this to Shark Tank. Yeah. We also found out that Sean gets over-emotional in restaurants. And libraries. <laughs> and libraries. And libraries. That, too. still remembers. <laughs> Next week, the librarian that called Sean out will be our Tuesday guest. <laughs> She's still around. She may still be there. <laughs> and listening to this show and getting bitter. No. <laughs> I remember that, Sean Carey. <laughs> I hope he put that mouth together good use. <laughs> Why, yes, he has. He's on the air. <laughs> Have a great weekend. We are your home for the Philadelphia Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.